thanks to uh, George Frederick Handel there, uh, for the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Um, Handel may have written it in music and, 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 uh, and, uh, and it's performed there by a, a good bass, but the words are from Isaiah. Um, Isaiah 9. We're going to read that now. Um, then I'm going to invite uh, Malcolm to, to come and, and preach. So this is Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Thanks be to God for those words. Father, as Malcolm comes to preach, we just pray your blessing on him. May you anoint him with your spirit now, Lord. May his words be uh, your words. May we hear what you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Lovely as always to be here, particularly lovely that I can actually take my coat off in church. <laughs> I'm in an Anglican building where I'm at least five layers on, which is uh, a real treat, so that's really wonderful. Uh, before I share what God's uh, brought uh, for me to bring to you today, I want to say a big thank you and a well done. When I came here last time, you may remember that I and sister and brother-in-law came with us as well. Now, they don't normally go to church. And if you don't remember them, um, they the people had a little dog. And they sat up the back there. So they don't normally come to church. The welcome they received here, you know, the, the ability of you guys to actually make them feel at home and relaxed, it was a real lesson. They sort of talk about it almost today. It really impacted me in a really big and powerful way. I think it was particularly Trevor that made the impact. He was very generous in sharing bits of broken biscuit um, with the dog rather than with them. Uh, well done. You're getting that bit right. So well done, Trevor. That was a real, we're all real witness to it. Let's pray before this. Lord, just pray your spirit will move 
on this building today, that you will truly impact your people here, that they will know that they've met with you through <coughs> your word that is about to be shared. And just pray your blessing on the whole world. Amen. Amen. Uh, as we heard, we're getting much closer to Christmas, only 13 days away from Christmas. Now, it's probably said half the congregation to panic by, by saying that. And the other half are probably feeling fairly smug. They're the ones who wrapped all the presents, sent all the cards, and everything else. So we're getting very close. But today is the, the third Sunday in Advent, as uh, by the three candles we lit a little while ago. Often a time where people reflect perhaps on the year that's passed since they forgot their Christmas lights and all the rest of it, and start to wonder, you know, is there more than the hamster wheel we're on with the bill paying, all the doom and gloom in the news? And with all that's going on, you know, perhaps begin to question even whether the, the real story of Christmas has any relevance to us in the heading of some 2,000 years after the event. Now, in today's passage, we looked at some of the prophecies of a person who lived some 800 years before Christ, yet his words still have a real resonance today. He speaks in verse 2 of people walking in darkness. Now, sitting here in the northern hemisphere, Advent falls at a very dark time of year, obviously less daylight than, than any other month. And uh, if you're feeling wealthy, you perhaps put the lights on at about three o'clock. If not, you know, you try and leave it a little bit later. But clearly Isaiah isn't talking about sunlight. The people of his day, um, the people of his time, were asking very much, has God given up on his people and his promises? Uh, this is at a time where many people have actually given up on God, and God is about to bring judgment on them. The historical context is that the Assyrian armies were sitting on the northern border of Israel, and the news was slowly filtering down to the south that destruction was heading their way. Lots of uh, stuff going on in the northern borders in Galilee. And I can sort of imagine the people of that day, you know, looking at the equivalent of, of news of 10 and being frightened for their lives, knowing what was coming towards them. And during the lifetimes of these people, they will have witnessed the moral and spiritual collapse of Jewish society, with even the religious leaders at that time becoming increasingly secular and godless. Whole groups of people at that time had totally abandoned God, had nothing to do with him. The values and standards of God's people that had once set Israel apart from the surrounding nations was beginning to disintegrate. It was all falling apart. But as always in biblical history, there was a small band of people who remained faithful to God. But even they were probably thinking, you know, what is going on here? You know, has God abandoned us? All these great promises of salvation and blessing, where are they when they need him most? The Assyrians are on our doorstep. Now, what is going on here? And this is a question or a challenge that Isaiah is looking to answer in the passage we have read this morning. Now, in verses 1 to 5, he talks of a, a glorious future. And secondly, in verses 6 and 7, the promise of an amazing child. In the future, God will honour Galilee. There will be a day in the future when the land that is now about to be overrun by the Assyrians will be honoured. In verse 2, it will be a day of great light. There will be rejoicing and revival. It will be a day of rescue from their enemies, but also of rest. The people living in darkness will see a great light. And that darkness that currently surrounds them will be rolled back. Here God is promising 
a glorious day, a, a promise of heaven, a taste of what is to come. And Isaiah is reminding the people that God has not given up on his promises. But is this for real? Is Isaiah being just a bit optimistic? He's one of these ancient optimists repeating the old message that God will ultimately be victorious. Yeah, but this is where the really exciting bits come in. You know, the glorious future will be brought in by the birth of this extraordinary child. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. So why the apparent repetition? You know, is Isaiah really saying the same thing twice, perhaps in two slightly different ways? Yes, okay, the child is going to be born. There will be a perfectly natural, ordinary human birth. But the second thing we are told is far more than that. A son is given. This child will be a gift, a gift to everyone on earth, a real blessing. It will be given to us. But much more than that, the passage goes on to tell us that the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. So here we have an eternal baby who will reign fully human, but also fully divine. God really hasn't given up on his people or his promises. And he's, he offers this wonderful promise of a glorious future for his people brought about by the birth of this extraordinary child. This child that will guarantee this glorious future. Unto us a child is given, and this birth will be unmistakable. It will be unmissable. It will be a turning point in history. The news of that birth will travel out across the entire world like ripples on the pond, even reaching the backward parts of the Great Britain. And that birth will be remembered and celebrated year after year after year, right up to the current day. And it troubles me that if anybody alive in 2022 who was to hear of this birth of this wonderful child and what it means, but continues to live as if he doesn't exist, I would say he's heading down a dangerous road. The glorious future and the amazing child, these two things are closely linked. The first won't happen without the second. We won't have the glorious future without this amazing child. So the passage is one of hope, one of promise to God's people that he won't give up on all that he's promised that he will do. There are probably people here today in this building who feel a bit like the faithful remnant of Isaiah's day. They may ask even today, you know, with all that's going on, has God given up on us? What about his glorious promises for his people today, you know, for us? We've seen leaders of the UK church and government becoming increasingly secular, increasingly godless. We've watched as much of the church has gone into decline. Many people in our society have totally abandoned God. Even those in the past who might have described themselves or a form or something of that sort as the CME no longer do so, as shown by the, the recent census. It says that Christianity is now less than 50%. I'm sure the true believers are still the same number, but those on the fringes, those that might have described themselves as CME are in decline. 
So, you know, society is moving away from God. And it's not uncommon these days, and it really does sadden me, for priests to openly admit that they don't believe in the God of the Bible. The standards of God's people and society really is going down, 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 downhill. And we all face the reality of living in God's world with, with sickness, depression, perhaps being derided by people within and outside of the church. We long for God's promises, for this future glory to actually happen. And were it not for the birth of this amazing child, we might well wonder, you know, is it all true? But this child has been born. I think we can say with absolute confidence that the glorious future is to happen. But like the people in the passage, we also have great darkness in our lives. Massive upheavals, you know, COVID-19 has just disrupted society perhaps more than we realise, even now it's still having a major impact. The cost of living crisis has pushed many families into a very dark place, with increases in energy, fuel, food, mortgages. We have political upheaval, you know, three prime ministers in little over a month. The massive national debt, the war in Ukraine, and made even worse by the losing of the football last night, and further doom and gloom. <laughs> or it might be the, the crisis in the NHS. Yeah, I'm sure there are some people here who have struggled to get medical help. Or all the industrial action that's now going on in multiple industries. For just about everyone, there is a sense of, of national gloom with various shades of darkness surrounding us a real sense of exhaustion. With all this going on, it is easy to feel fear, to feel uncertainty, a real feel of darkness around us. So hardly surprising that anxiety is increasing. Darkness and injustice are real, and it actually hurts, it hurts us on, on a personal level. But equally real is the light. And if we turn to it and let it to become part of our lives, it can make a real difference. Now, the references to, to light shining actually strike a real resonance with, resonance with me personally. Now, as a teenager, I was very much on the outer, outer fringes of my local Baptist church. The only real attraction to me of having anything to do with church at all was the youth club that met there. And if I'm to be honest, it was in particular the young ladies that used to go to youth club. <laughs> it was the real attraction. Um, but my life, Suddenly, changed. There was certainly no light in my life at that time. Then a friend of mine invited me to his baptism service. Some of you had one here just last week. And I sat, as I sat in the church watching what was going on, I suddenly felt what felt like a spotlight shining on me. It was, it was quite real. I was aware of the brightness. Now, anyone who's been on the stage under such stage lights will know that, in addition to the brightness, you also feel heat. And that's exactly how I do it. Lizzie will know that feeling well. You feel the light and you feel the heat as well. And that's how I felt in this church building. I looked around and there was no light shining on me. And I came to the realisation that it was in fact God trying to get my attention. Light overcame my darkness. Light really does have power over the darkness that's around us. The Bible tells us that light has come. But much, much more than that, the light has a face. Jesus said in himself in John 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. 
And from that moment, I actually realized that it was real. All that had been said about God was true. His promises of salvation were real. Now, Isaiah was writing some 800 years before Jesus, but he saw into the future. He saw that a child would be born, the same child that we look to celebrate at this time of year, every year. A child whose birth is a historic fact. He's not fantasy, it is reality. Christianity is not a concept, it's not a moral principle where we have to live up to certain high standards. The Christian faith is located in God being born, being born in history in the person of Jesus, a power that is for us. People today are walking in darkness. History is in many respects repeating itself. But Jesus is someone who will exercise good and just authority. He comes alongside us and cares so much that he was willing to take our darkness on himself. And on the cross, removing it so that we could be filled with his light. Now, it can be so easy to be very familiar with the Christmas story. We've heard it time and time again, probably from when we were very young. And it's so familiar that it may not have much impact. But this story is actually awesome. It is totally awesome. An awesome message for our time to hold in wonder. And it is no small thing to believe it is the biggest thing that anybody can do. To believe that God just, you know, God just did not create the world, but he came to us, each one of us, as a child. He has come to bring healing, to lead us out of darkness, to bring us peace with God. And he's present here today, the baby prophesied by Isaiah, hundreds and hundreds of years before his birth. He's waiting to lead us out of darkness. Now, it won't mean the problems will necessarily go away, but you will have the peace of knowing that a glorious future awaits you. Now, if you are here today and feel that in some ways you're caught up in the darkness, things are not going as you would like, the doom and gloom seems to surround you, will you let him bring you through it? Will you let the light in? Will you offer, you know, accept his offer of deliverance, his offer of rescue, his offer of peace, his joy? His light. Light with a face, not a set of moral rules that we have to live up to. And I believe that Jesus wants to come alongside us today. So if you're able, could you just stand just for a moment? Stand and invite the light to break into your life. If you're feeling that darkness, that darkness around you and want to escape, to have the power not to be brought down by it, then please invite Christ in, maybe for the first time, or maybe for the first time in a long, long time. Please come forward for prayer. If you're not feeling brave enough to come forward, just raise a hand. If you need to encounter God afresh as the mighty God, the light, please come forward for prayer. You may be in pain, you may need the miracle of healing. There may be issues of anxiety, or you may have friends and family that need prayer. You may know a child in distress in these difficult times. If you do, please come forward for prayer. 
There are people here who need the peace of God. They need to see his light fill the dark places in their lives. And if that is you, please come forward and just raise your hand. And there are people here who will happily pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are the light of the world. You come to remove the dark things that are surrounding us. All the doom and gloom we read in the news. People around us struggling in so many ways. Lord, you want to lift that darkness. You want to fill us with your light so that we can feel your joy. And we can know that the future, glorious future that is coming our way. We ask this in your precious holy name. Amen. 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 Good day, Mr. Do you offer prayer for anybody here? Let's have a raise a hand. Is this, is this our final song? Yeah. Just get the sense this morning that uh, we know in our minds, sometimes we're not quite sure in our hearts what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. And so I think the invitation for prayer is something that we're not familiar with as a church family. So there's this kind of halfway house. We're going to close in worship right now. So during that time of worship, if there is something that you want prayer for, something that you are burdened with, something that is on your heart, something that has not yet come to fruition, then we are here to pray for you. So don't miss this opportunity. This, this is a new season. This is a new season that we are stepping into and, and forget what protocols have gone before for decades uh, uh, or even years or even months take this opportunity to come and receive prayer because we know that prayer changes things and the saying is problem halved what is the saying problem shared problem halved yeah God wants to meet with us today. Do you want to meet with God? That's the key. That's the key thing. So don't miss that opportunity. Let's. So so, we'll, we'll, there'll be some of us at the side um, during this last worship song. Sorry, Nick, to interrupt. Me. I really think that there's a need this morning for us to get over ourselves uh, and come and receive God's blessing. So if you want to receive God's blessing this morning, if nothing else. And come and receive prayer. Thank you, Nick. <laughs>